Welcome to the Part-Time Money Podcast. This is episode 37. Today I'll be speaking with Miss Kimberly Palmer. She's the founder of Palmer's Planners and, of course, author of the wonderful new book, The Economy of You, which you can check out by going to economyofyou.com. The show notes for this episode can be found at ptmoney.com slash 37. It's been a while since you guys have heard from me. I've been really busy with my own part-time money business, uh, FinCon, the conference I run. But I couldn't pass up this opportunity to talk with Kimberly, uh, and I think this episode really lines up well with uh, what we talk about uh, in this podcast. If you have any questions or comments, head over to pgmoney.com and use the contact form there. Love to hear from you guys. Tell me you know, what you love about the podcast or maybe some things you'd like to see more of or, or hear more of from me. So anyway, enjoy the, enjoy the interview with Kimberly. guest today is Miss Kimberly Palmer. I know her and you may know her as well from the Alpha Consumer blog over at US uh, News and she's also written Generation Earn which we have a review up I believe on PT Money and recently she uh, produced a book called uh, The Economy of You and she's here today to talk to me about this subject which I think is perfect for this podcast uh, and about her book. Um, so welcome Kimberly. Thank you PT, thank you for having me. Absolutely, so tell everyone about yourself and your new book. Yeah, so my new book, The Economy of You, is basically about building a side business, making more money on the side so you're supplementing your income. And of course, I did this uh, myself. I launched my Etsy shop of money planners. My full-time job is at US News and World Report, as you said. And then on the side, I run my, my Etsy shop of planners, and I basically discovered a whole lot of people doing the same thing, running side businesses. So I wrote the book as sort of a game plan or to help other people trying to do the same thing. Awesome. So uh, why did you start your particular side business, Palmer's Planners, uh, which is an Etsy shop, like you said, and, and maybe give us some advice for other people, or, or maybe give me some uh, some reasons you saw other people start their businesses. Yeah. Well, for me, it all started in 2009, which, of course, as everyone knows, was basically the height of the recession. I felt a lot of job instability myself. It seemed like layoffs were happening all around. I mean, I'm a journalist, not exactly known as a stable field. So I felt like I needed to earn more money. At the same time, I had just become a mom. So the pressure, I was feeling it on all sides. Um, I knew I needed a way to make sure I could always support you know, my family and myself. So um, that's why. That was my original motivation, basically, wanting to have like a, a better job stability, more income stability. And what I actually found from interviewing people is that there's often some big life event like that, like becoming a mom actually getting laid off, something, you know, even traumatic um, that you go through when you realize, you know, to protect myself, to have more stability, I need to always have a plan B. So there's something that I could turn to if, worst case scenario, I did get laid off. Right. That's good. So um, I have a question. I'll save that question for later, kind of about uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, But I guess my next question is, um, so how did the how did this side business affect your finances? Maybe both what your thoughts were on how it might affect your finances and how it actually did. And then when you wrote the book, how are some of the ways that your, the finances were affected from from some of yeah. these business owners? Yeah. Um, well, for me, I definitely earn a modest income from my Etsy shop. So I earn about two hundred to five hundred dollars a month. It really varies depending on how much marketing I do. Um, so to some people, you know, two hundred to five hundred dollars a month doesn't may not sound like a lot, but it actually just really helps me on multiple levels. So one, it's nice just to have that income coming in because 
you know, costs are just, my costs are going up all the time. Now I have another baby too, so, you know, helps with my costs. Um, but even more than that, what I found is that it really changed how I feel about my economic situation because now I'm, I'm not dependent on a single paycheck. I mean, I, I've multi-streamed my income, as people say. I have multiple sources, so I know if, you know, God forbid, I were to lose my job, at least I wouldn't be going to zero income. At least I would have something I could turn to, and if I had more time, I know I could grow it even more. Um, so that gives me so much peace of mind, and it also just gives me a sense of satisfaction knowing that I could launch something and people are finding what I created useful and helpful. Um, and what I found, you know, for my interviews, I did interview about a hundred side giggers for my book, is that it really ranges. So some people are like me and earning a relatively modest amount, but you know, even earning $50, $100, $200 a month, it adds up over time and we always talk about the latte factor, you know, David Bach's famous latte factor where you don't want to be wasting small amounts of money every day. Well, the same thing is true in reverse. If you're making $5 a day, it adds up over time. So I think that that is actually really huge and overlooked and maybe undervalued. So there's nothing wrong with making a modest amount of income. Some people were actually really surprised by how much they could scale up their business. And when I went back and revisited with people about a year after I first talked to them as I was wrapping up my book, I actually found that uh, about a quarter of people now were full-time self-employed. So they had earned so much money that it replaced their income. So, I mean, I thought that was pretty impressive too. That's great. Yeah, you should do a follow-up to the book or yeah. add it back it on for the next version. Um, that's great. So, so um, that's great advice in there. We're going to get into uh, some deeper dive into in some of those topics uh, down the road, but I want to get a feel for what type of business you started. So tell me about Palmer's Planners, what it is, and how yeah. you came up with that idea. So basically they're printables, if you've heard of that term. It basically means it's a PDF that you can print out. They're money planners. So I like to focus, my sort of passion is helping people during transitions. So whether you are expecting a baby, becoming a parent, it's of course one of my favorites, um, getting married, uh, or it's a new year and you're trying to get your finances in order for the year. I have different money planners based around different goals and transitions like that and they're all about getting organized getting on top of your finances. It basically walks you through what you should be thinking about. The baby planner is my all-time bestseller. People love my baby planner. So um, I basically, they're automatically downloaded. If you buy it from Etsy, it just, I mean, I don't have to do anything because people have immediate access as soon as they make the purchase, and they're PDFs, and people print them themselves. Wow. Yeah. That's a great business idea. So did you did you see someone else doing it, or did you just kind of have a passion for drawing these things up like this or? Well basically I am an Etsy shopper and so I was browsing Etsy one day. I buy like the jewelry and scarves on there but yep. I realized one day there's this whole paper product section. There's a, it basically is paper under paper products, there's calendars and then within that planners. And so as soon as I saw that as I was browsing there one day I felt, you know, wow. I belong there. I can make these. So that was kind of like my lightning moment where I realized I could. And from there, that's how I got the idea. And I had actually drafted a baby planner kind of book to pitch to publishers as like a book, but it didn't go anywhere. Like I couldn't find a publisher to publish it. So that I sort of married those two things. I took that kind of rejected manuscript and turned it into my first planner, the baby planner. That's great. It is, is, uh, How's Etsy doing now compared to how it was back then? Is it still sort of a, a similar marketplace? 
You know, Etsy has changed a lot. Um, so when I first joined, actually, you couldn't even do automatic downloads. So there was a lot more work for the seller, for you know someone like me. Now they've actually upgraded in a lot of different ways. The app is easier for sellers to use. You can update things on the app. Um, automatic downloads, of course, is huge if you're selling printable. So they, I've been really actually impressed with how they're constantly sort of upgrading their technology to make it easier for the, the user, both the buyer and the seller. Yeah, so it sounds like the, uh, the sort of the platform maybe helped to spur on the idea that you sort of already had, or maybe gave you a different angle of how to approach the idea that you already had. So yeah. maybe talk to uh, listeners out there who may be thinking, you know, I just don't have that idea yet. Like, how yeah. can I go out there and find that idea? I think one of the best things you can do is actually browse some of these incredibly powerful e-commerce sites. Of course, Etsy, but there's so many others. Fiverr, uh, Freelance, Elancer, or sorry, Elance and Freelancer. If you just go to these websites and see how other people are making money, it can give you a lot of inspiration. On Elance right now, really popular one is writing other people's wedding speeches. I mean, who would think of that on their own? So just getting some inspiration by seeing all these incredible, sometimes quirky ways that other people are making money can just get you thinking and you know give you some ideas. Yeah, and I like your point earlier about just getting out there and experiencing yeah. the marketplace. And your idea, like you said, may not be scalable initially, but you may figure out a way to how to do that. Or yeah. you may figure out, hey, I just want to keep it at this small sort of personal level. Um, but being there and experiencing it is the only way you're going to, uh, I guess, you know, make those answer those questions for yourself, right? Yeah. That's so true. And I also think because it's so easy using these e-commerce platforms, it's I mean it doesn't cost you a lot to try. So you might as well put something out there and see if you can get any traction. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that first sale. You know, how did you know how to price your product? Yeah. Um, you obviously had the established sales channel through Etsy. Right. Doing the other marketing initially to, to make kind of get that first sale going. Well, I made the classic mistake of thinking I just had to upload it to Etsy and then, you know, I'd be you know, bringing in the money automatically. That did not happen. So I quickly saw I needed to market what I was doing and get word out there. So I planned a little blog tour for myself. I, you know, reached out to personal finance bloggers, told them what I was doing, and I, you know, I got, I wrote some guest blog posts, and that's that was my approach. That's how I got word out. So after I planned that blog tour, that's when my sales picked up. Um, so really, my first sale came around that time, and of course, it was a huge huge rush. I mean, I was so happy to, you know, finally feel like I was in business, but you definitely have to take the marketing into your own hands because even when you're on an established platform like you say, I mean, you have to figure out how to stand out. Right. And and you said in terms of uh, you know, how you're selling now. So I think you price the the the, oh, the prices, yeah. Price price them around what ten ten bucks? Yes. Um, my 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 debt planner, my debt free planner is four dollars. Um, so it starts at four dollars, and then um, mo most of my planners, like my baby planner, the full fifty page planners are twelve dollars. And then I also actually offer custom planners where um, I work with people on their goals to customize it for higher prices because that comes with like a half hour coaching session. Yeah. So um, have you eventually, I thought of this question now, have you, have you eventually taken the, taken the concept and put it on other platforms or are you just sticking with Etsy because it's, it's yeah, rolling? Yeah, you know, I've thought about that, but I haven't because I'm so happy with Etsy. The aesthetic really works for me. I love, the, I mean, my the illustrations I use, I, I just feel like I, I fit with the Etsy culture of like do-it-yourself um, kind of culture. So I actually really, Etsy has been a good home for me. Focusing on that, maximizing that. Yeah. That's great. 
Uh, and so sales are doing okay still to this day. Yeah, they um, when my book that I kind of gave you came up, they kind of went up a lot as I was talking about my book a lot. Uh, and I had my first thousand dollar month, which was extremely exciting for me. Um, but now things have settled back down, so I'm back to like the mm, around four hundred dollars a month or so. But I mean, it's gonna go. I'm sure it just goes up and down with how much marketing I do. Yeah, and with the beginning of the year, everyone wants to get out of debt. Right. Right? They're interested in that guide. Exactly. Well, that's, great. that's great. I mean, ultimately you're you're providing a great service for people, helping them through those transitions in life, like you said, that uh, you you kind of went through, and now you've got right. the roadmap for yourself. That's yeah. smart, and and to um, to be earning some extra money on the side, like you said, that's great. So any other tips in terms of like someone getting going and like trying to make that first sale? I think one of the best things you can do is really listen to what your customers or potential customers are saying. Um, and I learned this kind of the hard way because when I first started, I thought people wanted really printed out, spiral bound, beautiful paper planners. And so I actually spent a lot of my own money printing those out. No one bought those. Everyone wanted the PDF digital version. So I think that it says something about how you know testing the waters with a small launch um, to see what people respond to can teach you way more than you know re market research ahead of time. So I think that's why trying things out can be so helpful. And then also um, you get ideas from your customers. I remember one person asked me at the very beginning, "Do you have a calendar, like some kind of money calendar?" And so that gave me the idea. Now each year I launch like like this year the 2014 money planner and that has been a big seller too so listening to you know emails people send you little pieces of feedback those can turn into your best ideas yeah yeah Side note, did you have any kind of art background or these Oh my gosh, let no, let me clarify. I do not do the illustrations. I pay this oh. amazing freelance illustrator um, because I know that's one of my, I could not make things look that pretty. So um, I found this woman who I credit, of course, in all the planners and in my Etsy shop. She's another Etsy seller and she does all the covers for me and she does an amazing job. So she's my she's my partner in this. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, what uh, that's great to have an asset like that. So what um, you know? What mistakes maybe have you met along the way, and/or when you're interviewing the folks for your book, did you see some of the the mistakes that kind of bubbled up? Maybe more common mistakes. Yeah, you know, yes. Um, one of the biggest ones is getting really stuck on failure. Um, we all fail, and unfortunately, some people. I mean, myself included, you can get really stuck on that. And one person, actually, a woman who wanted to be a professional organizer, um, she. Uh, had her first client. She's so good at organizing. This is definitely her passion. Had her first client. That first client didn't pay. Just never paid for the services. She was so upset by that that she stopped. Like she didn't continue her business. And it's so sad because I think it would have been an amazing business and thriving. So I, basically my point is I think you have to find a way to move past some of those inevitable obstacles and barriers. For me, it's like getting negative feedback or like a negative review. It, I mean, I can be depressed about it for like a day. Like it makes me really sad. So I had to have some coping mechanisms to, you know, focus instead on the much, many more positive reviews that I've gotten or just a way to kind of step back. Actually, my favorite thing to do is to go to one of my favorite books on Amazon that I just love and even those books will have negative reviews. <laughs> it just puts it in perspective. Like if even, you know, the most famous best-selling author can have a negative review, it's okay to have negative reviews. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I love that. Um, so um, what about 
sort of setting up a, a financial system or, 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 you know, taking your business seriously by having a business account, checking account, and all that kind of stuff, like, when does that come into play for people? So if they're starting a business, do they have to sort of go out and do all that stuff beforehand? When's sort of that tipping point? Yeah, great question because it really does depend so much on the type of business you have. For example, if you are doing anything that is potentially dangerous like selling baby products, you want to make sure you have your you know, liability insurance, you're protecting your own finances, you want to have all that set up. You might even, I mean, you probably need to, you know, talk with a lawyer about that if you're doing in certain kind of field like that. Even if you're baking cupcakes, I mean, baking things, I mean, you could, you know, give someone food poisoning. Who knows what could happen? And you want to make sure you're protected. Um, so it really depends a lot on the type of business you're in. A lot of people actually have to go through their, if you live in a condo or an apartment building, you need to get specific permission to run a business from your home. So you want to make sure you have all that checked off. Uh, for people that are starting really slowly, uh, like me, uh, it can be easier to delay those things and you don't necessarily need that right away, but it all depends on your risks. I mean, number one, you need to make sure your finances are protected, so load up on insurance if that, if you're doing anything that comes with a risk like that. Okay, that's good. That's good advice. Um, now, sort of back to the top of things, you know, um, I think a lot of people may put themselves in a category where I'm not an entrepreneur or yeah. I'm, I'm a person who needs to... Uh, you know, I sort of work for someone else. That's how I work. That's how I'm wired. Um, so maybe talk about sort of that evolution you've seen in the people you you've maybe uh, interviewed or in yourself, um, or or maybe just kind of a general discussion about that. You know, how people maybe tend to think about that, and is that true? Are there entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs in this world? I think that's so fascinating to me because I think we all need to be entrepreneurs now, and I definitely am in that category that you're describing, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I mean, I work in an office, I have a nine to five job. So making that mental shift was really, really hard and it kind of changed my self-identity or how I think about myself. But it was also, when I did do it, it's so empowering because you realize that you can do it. So I really think all of us have the potential, especially given how easy it is. I mean, a lot of the questions I get in terms of like pushback against this is the technology side of things. People think, you know, I can't set up an online store or how would I collect people's credit cards? You don't need to do any of that because of these amazing websites that are out there, like the ones we've talked about, Etsy, Fiverr. So, I mean, I think yes we can all do it all you need is an idea the motivation to to help people I mean how can your skills and passions actually help other people uh, and answering that question and figuring out what value you have I mean number one yes it makes you money but it also really I think gives you an incredible sense of satisfaction because you are creating something or providing a service that helps people even if it's in a small way awesome that's good two more questions um, first off, how, you're still employed by U.S. News, yeah. so how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, I've been really lucky because they have been so supportive. I mean, they're supportive of my book. Um, I mean, they, you know, I they run the excerpts on the website. Like, it's a win-win situation. So I actually found that is how it works best. If if my side business, which is you know, my Etsy shop, but also my book writing, if that, if, if my full-time job can see that as an asset and something that helps them, and I think it does help them too, then it's like a, a mutually beneficial 
scenario. And that way it's not like one thing is taking from the other. So I mean I always of course have to be careful to avoid conflicts of interest and that kind of thing and not be, you know, working on my Etsy shop during office hours or something. But as long as you're following those basic rules and you can show that it's actually useful for your job, I've actually learned skills like creating an ebook from my Etsy shop that I do bring back to my my job. So I think as long as there's that, you know, benefit going on, then it can I mean that's how it works for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that is a good that's a good thing you sort of have that have that sort of symbiotic relationship yeah. going. That's great. Um, I know a lot of people struggle with that though. You know, should I should I be starting this thing moonlighting on my on my boss and doing this thing on the side? Um, and that's something each individual I think has to kind of take up for yeah. themselves how much risk they're willing to take. Um, but then there's the flip side. Are, are, you know, it's risky to stay where you're at and and to be only dependent, like you said, on you know the, your employer. So, yeah, that's so true. Um, so, last question is about uh, time management. Sort of someone, someone in the same vein. You know, um, you know, this is you're talking about starting something on the side like this. I mean, when do you do it? Nights, weekends, like in between yeah. you know, on your lunch break. I mean, when do you get these things started? Yeah, I mean that is. It's the hardest part. So I um, I do it for me during nap time on the weekends when my kids are sleeping. Um, I mean, now that I have two kids, full-time job, I mean, it's gotten a lot crazier. So I first launched my Etsy shop when my daughter was, like, around two. It was a lot easier than before my son was born. Now, I have to admit, it's been a bigger challenge for me to fit in my Etsy shop um, between my two children. Um, but when I do do it is in, like, bits and pieces. So I don't look for, like, a three-hour chunk of time because I will never have that. Instead, I just kind of steal, you know, 15 minutes after they go to bed at night, I'll jump back on my computer or during nap time, like I said. So just kind of stealing these bits. I actually do a lot on my phone during our commute. My whole family, we all commute together in the mornings and my husband's driving so I can be, um, you know, opening up my Etsy app. So I actually kind of just do it um, in bits and pieces instead of looking for like a big chunk of time. That's good advice. Um, that's really cool. So I had one last question that I'm going to sneak in here. Um, <clears throat> and now I've forgotten it. So before <laughs> before I, uh, let me think about that one. You tell people where they can find it, more information about the book and about you. Yeah, you can come to my website, economyofyou.com, and I have on there uh, really beautiful illustrated worksheets by that woman, Lisa, that I mentioned, who does all my Etsy planners. So the worksheets from the book are actually available on that website, economyofyou.com, and you can email me, find me there, you know, find out about the book there, too. Awesome. Well, Kimberly, thanks so much for being on. I'll have to save that uh, follow-up question for later. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Any other last words of advice uh, or, or tips for folks you have? Just do it. I mean, get out there this weekend. You know, put describe a skill you have or that product you've been thinking about and give it a try because you know that could be something that really speaks to other people. So that is my you know big parting thought. Awesome. Thanks, Kimberly. Thank you. That does it for this episode of the Part-Time Money Podcast. Remember, you can see the show notes at ptmoney.com slash 37. Thanks for listening.